Looking at the story of Gideon, we're reminded that we need to have a refreshed and revived faith if we're going to get on and stay on the right spiritual track. This message is the third in the series, Turning Point. The message is entitled, Refresh Your Faith. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, if you will. We're going to be in Judges chapter 6, the Old Testament book of Judges chapter 6, as we continue our series together entitled Turning Points. And I want to talk this weekend about how do you refresh your faith? How do you make sure that your faith stays strong? Now, in this new year, we're talking about the fact that God has called each of us to turn our lives in a new direction. In fact, we're going to end up in life based upon the turns that we make. And I was looking up recently this phrase, turning point. Let me read for you a portion of what I discovered about this concept of a turning point in a person's life. And we all have them. This turning point, the word or phrase means this, a decisive moment when action is taken that positively changes the course of your life. Let me read that again. A turning point is a decisive moment when action is taken, not something you simply think about, but an action is taken that actually positively changes the course of your life. It actually moves you forward toward a better future than you would have, uh, had not have experienced otherwise. So that's what we're looking at. And we believe that God is reminding us in this season, 2013, that he has some turning points for each one of us, some choices that we need to make and some decisions we need to bring to force and bear in our lives that will help us to get where he wants us to be. Now, we're going to take a look today at the whole idea, as I said, of faith. How do we keep our faith strong? Because there's no way that you and I can turn in the right directions of life with God without having an adequate growing faith. I'm going to take you to a story in the Old Testament. It's about a man by the name of Gideon. Actually, it's one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament because many times I can really identify with Gideon. I believe that you will as well as we take a look at this passage together. We're in Judges chapter 6. I'm going to start at verse 11 and go down through verse number 29. You say, wow, that's a lot of reading, Pastor. Well, well, yes, it is, but it really provides a great story. So let the story sort of capture you as we go through this reading together. Listen as I read. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abrazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. It's an important phrase. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But, sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Maybe you've made that statement to God before. God, how do I know this is really you? He goes on to say, please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went in, prepared a young goat and put out, put, uh, and from an ephra of flour, he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. 
When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said, Peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. Or as we know, Jehovah Shalom, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Abrazites. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this, uh, this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as an offering for the Lord. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down. And the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. Now, this amazing story that talks about this man named Gideon provides for us, as I mentioned a moment ago, some incredible lessons in faith. And I'm going to share with you today very important lessons that will help us to make sure that our faith stays strong. So let me share with you three things to make sure that your faith is strong so that you, in this year and in the years to come, as you make the right decisions with your life, you can make them based in faith. Make them based in a real deep, solid trust in God. The first thing that's necessary, if you and I are going to keep our faith strong and refresh our faith, is we have to check on our faith tank. Notice that phrase there. It might be a new phrase for you. Check out, check on your faith tank. I'll ask you a question that might be embarrassing for some of you. Have you ever run out of gas? Has there ever been that time when you just simply didn't have enough gas, you'd push the fumes to as far as they would go, and again, the car shut down? I'll give you a little insight here. The reason that you ran out of gas was because you were trying to run your car on empty. There was nothing that was there. And we get into trouble in our lives when we don't pay attention to something that the car manufacturers provide for us right on the dashboard of our, of our, our vehicle. It's called a fuel gauge. And if you don't pay attention to the fuel gauge, you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble. Now, at times, we, we find ourselves in trouble in terms of running out of gas in the physical sense, if you will, because in the automobile that we have, our vehicle, Maybe our gas gauge is not working function, functioning appropriately. And so because of some malfunction, it's telling us we have more gasoline than we really do, more fuel than we really have. Sometimes we just simply, you know, we, we kind of procrastinate. We say, you know what, I'm got, I know it's on empty, but I'm going to get to the gas station tomorrow. I'm going to fill it up day after tomorrow. I'm going to get there in a few hours. And we sort of say, let me push the limit and see how far I can go. You know, sometimes, and this is especially true if you have teenagers, the reason that you run out of gas is because somebody else used the car and left it on empty. And so they drove it back into the driveway, and you get in and try to go somewhere, and your teenager didn't fill the car up, didn't put any gas in the car, and so there you are left with the consequences. And even there are times, I know I've seen it on the Beltway in various places around the D.C. area, where people are driving and get caught in traffic, and because they're extenuating circumstances they didn't count on, they find themselves out of fuel. See, it's important to become a good friend with your fuel gauge, to make sure that it's functioning well, and to make sure that you pay close attention to it, that you're letting it tell you a story because it's there to give you very important information. Now, as Christian believers, we, we operate our lives on fuel. 
You can't run your life without some kind of fuel internally on the inside of your being, down in your soul and down in your spirit. And one of those fuels that will keep you going is your, your faith level. Your, your faith tank has to be filled up. And you and I have to pay close attention to that fuel gauge of faith in our lives to see where we are, what kind of register is happening in that dimension of life. Now, here we see in the story of Gideon that Gideon at this particular time that we first meet him in the Bible actually was operating on what I would call faith fumes. He didn't have a lot of faith at this moment. His, his faith tank was really running on, a, on empty, even somewhat beyond empty. Let's take a look again at verses 11 through 13 and see uh, where, where Gideon's faith is when we first meet him. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abrazite. So in other words, this belonged to uh, Gideon's dad, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I want you to notice Gideon's response. His next word, but, but, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Notice all those statements, but God, if God, where God? Why God? All of these questions are questions that, that are coming out of a very low tank of faith in his life. He's running on empty. Now, Israel by this point had been in this terrible crisis for a long time. Let me tell you a little bit about the pressure they were under. The Midianites had come in and raided Israel. And in fact, what the Midianites were doing is they were oppressing the Israelites by actually coming in during harvest season when, they would, when the Israelites would reap all of their crops and the Midianites would allow them to do all the work and reap their crops and they would come in and plunder all of that food and take it back for their own families and leave the Israelites with very little. That's why when we first see Gideon, he's hiding up in a, in a cave, in a wine press, back sort of in a, in a, in a very defensive position in a, in a place where he's hiding in fear, trying to make sure he gets enough wheat, enough food to survive for himself and for his family. He's asking a lot of questions. Why God? Where God? What's going on God? If God, you were with us, we wouldn't be experiencing this. And so again, his faith level is very, very low. Now, in your life, you will often hear people say, and sometimes you might say to another Christian that, that might be going through some kind of challenge in their life, you need to use your faith. I think we've all heard that. God, in fact, encourages us to use our faith. But if faith is to be used, that means this, there must be a way for the supply to be replenished. You can't use something without there being the requirement of potentially using it up or using it in such a way that it becomes depleted or certainly in need of, of replenishment. And so when we speak of using our faith and we talk about uh, God's word that encourages us to use our faith, we must realize that when we put our faith into use, that by its very nature requires that we must be in some kind of position and make some kind of decisions along the way to make sure that our faith stays replenished. And I will tell you that if you don't do this, you're going to get yourself into trouble. So what I want to do for just a moment is to provide for you some insights to help you to understand 
how to read your faith gauge, if you will, on the dashboard of your life. How do you take a look at your spiritual dashboard and see where your faith is? I'll give you six things that we'll look at together. In fact, why don't we read these six things uh, one by one? I'll talk a little bit about each one of them as we go through, but read them with me. The first one, if you're going to properly read your faith gauge, let's let's read together. You have to understand the things that place demands on your faith. Let's read it again. You have to understand the things that place demands on your faith. See, some of life places no demand on your faith at all. You'll just simply go through life. You never have to really use a lot of faith to accomplish something or to deal with it. It's just life, the activities of life. But there are things where you're actually spending faith. And that faith is usually spent on problems, on challenges, on things that come your way that you were not anticipating coming your way. And so as soon as something like that shows up in your life or it's when you, when you start thinking about your future or what your future is going to be or your children, how your children are going to grow up or whatever it might be. Anything that is an unknown in life requires you to begin to operate at a level of faith. And so anytime you're dealing with a situation like that, you're spending faith. You're using faith. Here's a second way to know, the, if you will, the, the level of faith in the, in the tank, the spiritual tank of your life. Read it with me. You need to monitor your mouth. Now, by the way, this is actually just good for any part of your life, to pay attention to what comes from the words of your mouth. Why? Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And so if you find yourself saying things like Gideon said, But God, why God, where God, if God, all of those are statements that represent the fact that something's running low on the inside of you. And so listen to yourself from time to time. Pay attention to those words that are coming from your mouth because they indicate what's going on in your heart. Let's read the third one together. Pay attention to your emotions and to the thoughts producing them. Let's read it again. Pay attention to your emotions, that's what you're feeling, and the thoughts producing them. See, if you find that you're feeling worried, you're feeling a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear going on in your life, a lot of stress going on in your life, you know what those, those, those things are telling you? They're telling you that your faith is being drained. They're giving you a little warning sign. See, anxiety is something that reminds us, you know what, we're, we're not at the trust level that we need to be. Fear comes along because fear is the opposite of love and faith. And so when we begin to feel fear, it's telling us, you know, there's a problem right now with your faith. And your thoughts can give you a lot of insight in terms of to what you feel, what you're going through and where your faith is. Your feelings can do the same. Let's go to the fourth thing together. Here we go. Read it with me. Watch your worship. Read it again. Watch your worship. What do you mean by this, pastor? Let me tell you what I mean. It means this. Is your worship alive? Is it genuine? Is it personal? Or does it kind of, has it gone into this sort of habit pattern, this ritualistic thing? Well, I'm just going to sort of go through church. I'll go to church and go through the motions and do the kind of things I, I need to do. But, but you don't really feel personally engaged in it. You're not really personally connecting with God. Why? Because quite often, your worship is void of faith. See, faith actually, when your faith is alive, your faith energizes your worship. Now, I also believe that you can worship your way into faith, but you have to really put your heart into it. Worship can actually stimulate your faith, but you have to be seeking that dimension of life. But watch your worship. Number five, read with me. Pay attention to your relationships. Read it with me again. Pay attention to your relationships. 
Ask yourself the question from time to time, am I withdrawing? Am I isolating? Am I, am I pulling back from important relationships in my life? Have I dropped out of church? Am I not going to church as regularly as I once did? Am I being attracted to people who are less passionate about God than I am? Has there been some change in the kind of people that I'm hanging around with? Have there been changes in my, my relationship patterns? Why is that important? Because when your faith level changes, it changes the way you interact with people. It also changes the kind of people you want to interact with. The final one that we'll look at together here, how do you read the faith gauge uh, in the, on the spiritual dashboard of your life? Read number six with me. Monitor your prayer and devotional life. Pay attention. How is your prayer life? Has that dropped off? Are you still engaging regularly in prayer? Well, why is that important? Because prayer is your way of reaching out to God. It's your way of expressing faith in God. And your devotional life is getting into the Bible, spending some time with God. It's an indication, God, I believe that you want to speak to me. I believe that you have something from your word that you want to feed, with me, feed me with. And so when we back away from that, we're actually finding ourselves probably at a place where our faith levels are hurting. Now in Gideon's situation, he couldn't turn around. God couldn't turn him in the way that he needed to be turned to do what he needed to do through Gideon's life until Gideon had a refreshing of his faith. And the same is true for you and for me. There has to be this turning toward God with faith so that the turning point can happen in life. Here's our second thing together this weekend. If you and I want to have our faith refreshed, we have to refill our faith tank. Very simply, refill our faith tank. Now, God was concerned about Gideon's faith level, obviously, because he, he came to Gideon at this point to help him get renewal, to be filled up. We're going to see here in just a moment how God stepped into this situation, and he saw a man that was running on empty, and God came along and said, I'm going, I've got something for you. There's a turning point for your life because I want to use you in a great way, but I can't do that until I fill you up again. And I want you to know that, that this year is a year of destinies, as we've already talked about for you, for, for you and me, that God has a plan for our lives and that God's desire is to renew our faith so that we can accomplish everything that he wants us to accomplish. Again, if this is going to happen, you've got to be a believer. Now, let's go back to the story of Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, I'm going to pick up now in verse number 14. Let's see how God comes onto the scene and God begins to work to refill and refresh and restore Gideon's faith. Judges 6 beginning in verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, and this is after Gideon had made all these negative statements, but God, if God, where God, why God, and all of these things are indicating he's running on empty. Now the Lord turns to him and said, see remember, God turns to you so that you can turn in the direction you need to turn. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands, or Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now, that seems like a strange thing for God to say. He's just this, here's this guy that's just indicated that he's low on faith. And God says, you know what? I've got a really big work for you to do. I've got something I want you to do. You're, you're a mighty man. I want to use you. And verse, uh, verse 15, but Lord Gideon asks, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my family. So he goes back into this negative kind of mindset. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Now, here's what I want you to see. 
Now Gideon's faith is starting to, to fill up. It's like when you put, the, uh, when you put that, 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 that fuel dispenser into your car. The nozzle finds its way into your, your gas tank. And that the first fumes, if you will, of gas begin to flow. And you can smell that the gas is starting to come into your vehicle. God now, these fumes or, or this, this, this input of faith is starting to happen. It's because Gideon is replying. Now, if I found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Verse, verse number 18. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Getting one in, prepared a young goat from which, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat, the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. The angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock. Now folks, fire doesn't come from rocks. That only happens when God shows up consuming the meat and the bread. So God has stepped into this situation and then the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized there was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord. I want you to see this. Now he's getting his tank replenished. His faith level is rising. Ah, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. Gideon was a little concerned that he'd seen God and he was going to be taken because he'd had an encounter with Almighty God. But God said, don't worry about it, Gideon. I'm right here with you. Peace to you, Jehovah Shalom. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands. Now, this is a beautiful passage of Scripture because what, what I want you to notice is this, how God addressed this man Gideon. How God comes on the scene in a, in, in a situation where a man is hiding in fear, he's anticipating continued trouble and heartache in his life. He, he's actually, he's threshing out wheat. He was doing the work that an animal really should have been doing. That's how degrading the circumstances were in Gideon's life at, in, in that time. But in that moment, God comes along and he, he gives him a new, new name. He calls him a mighty man of valor. He says, there's some things I want you to do with your life. And while outwardly Gideon didn't look like a mighty man of valor, God saw something in Gideon that Gideon never saw in himself. God saw Gideon's potential. And in seeing Gideon's potential, God called Gideon to actually step up into a new way of thinking about himself. And God called Gideon to a place of faith. He called him to this renewed, refreshed faith, revitalized faith that could help him to do what God had ordained for him to do with his life. So what does this say to you and me? What do we do with our faith? How do we refresh our faith? How can this kind of thing happen in our lives? How can it happen for you and me? How today, this weekend, maybe you're right where Gideon was and you're, you're saying things to God like, God, but, if, God, why, when, God, and all these questions are really where you are in your life. Don't be discouraged. A turning point can still happen to you. It happened for Gideon. God comes along and refreshes his faith, but how is your, your faith refreshed? Let me quickly share with you some things that will help you understand how to have your faith refreshed. First of all, you need to know that your past doesn't dictate your future. 
Whatever has been a part of your, fa- your past does not dictate what your future will be. See, Gideon was living in, an, in a now situation, yes, but he was looking back on years of oppression and he was making the assumption in his mind that what had been was what would always be in his life and the experience of his family. But God comes along and he steps in and says, no, Gideon. I can help you make a difference. I can do something in your life. You're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon knows something. What's been in the past does not dictate what will be in your future. The second thing I want you to see, if you want to have your faith replenished and refueled, and I want to speak this word into your heart this weekend, you need to know that God sees something wonderful in you that you can't see about yourself. That when God looks down at you and he sees you, he sees wonderful things in you that you can't see about yourself. See, usually we're, we're very aware of our weaknesses, our frailties. I mean, there, there are a small number of people that are really uh, sort of caught up in themselves and think that they're just the, the superheroes. But most of us go through life battling insecurities and battling a sense of wonderment as to whether God could even use us. Is there anything valuable about our lives? And what I want you to know is that God says, yes, I see something incredible in you. There's a potential in you that, that I have placed. You may not be able to see it about yourself, but I can see it in you. That replenishes faith when you realize that. Thirdly, know that your refreshed faith is critical. It's critical to your destiny and the destiny of your family. I'll tell you one of the things that will drive you to re- refresh your faith is to realize that if you're going to get to where God wants you to be, you've got to have it. If you're going to get to the destination of being the person that God wants you to be, and I'm not just talking about doing the stuff God wants you to do. I'm talking about just being the person. If you're going to be a person who walks in love, a person who walks in peace, a person that walks in right relationships with other people, all that stuff requires faith. If you're going to be a good dad, that requires a lot of faith. If you're going to be a good husband, that requires faith. If you're going to be a good wife or mother, all that requires faith. You're going to be a good parent, you better have faith. All these things are critical to your destiny, the destiny of your family. And so realize, I can't go on in a condition without a revised, revitalized and refreshed and renewed faith. And then also the fourth thing here is know that faith, very important, faith is not about you believing in you. It's not about that. It's about you believing in God who is greater than you. See, there's a stream of thought that's very popular in our world. It's, it, it, it's this concept of just positive thinking about yourself. And I, I believe that you should have a, a positive sense of who God has made you to be and a, and a sense that you're valuable to God. But when we talk about faith, we're not talking about believing in you. Not somehow getting up in the morning and telling yourself what a great person you are and how phenomenal you are and those kinds of, that's not faith. What faith really is, it's not about believing you, it's about believing in God who is greater than you, who can work in and through you. So faith links us not with some self-image, some improved self-image that we build up, it links us with God who builds us up inside and uses us externally to reach others. So remember this, you're going to fail in life, yes, but God never fails. So that's why faith needs to be in Him and not in ourselves. So you and I, if you and I are going to make the turn that we need for this year, we need to replenish our faith, refresh our faith, and it has to happen regularly in our lives. Let's go to our third and final point. The third thing that's necessary for a refreshed faith, we have to let go of everything that pollutes or dilutes faith. Let me read that again. Let go of everything, everything, everything that pollutes or dilutes, notice those two words, pollutes, contaminates, dilutes, makes weaker your faith. 
Now, I, I talked a few moments ago about the fact that uh, if you're going to have, if, you're, if your engine, your car is going to operate, you have to have gas in the tank. You have to have fuel in the tank. But not only do you have to have fuel in the tank, you have to make sure that that fuel has not been contaminated or that fuel has not been diluted. You can't put half water and half gasoline in your tank. Why? Because you've diluted it. It won't run that way. It's, it's made to run on a fuel, a pure kind of fuel. And you must be very careful what you put in your fuel tank. That's why, for example, in certain uh, service stations that you'll go to, places where you fill your car up with gasoline, that if, if they have a diesel uh, tank there, that usually the nozzle on that diesel tank for the dispenser of that fuel is different from the other nozzles because they don't want you to make the mistake of putting the wrong fuel in your vehicle. You have to have the right stuff if you're going to run your car the right way. And the same is true for your faith tank. Your life was designed by God to run on unpolluted, undiluted, diluted faith. So unpolluted, undiluted faith. Now, in the story of Gideon, this is one of the first things that, uh, that we see about the, about the story. Because we, we understand that actually Gideon and the Israelites had gotten themselves in trouble in the first place because of a polluted, diluted faith. Let me take you back to verses 25 and through 29, and we'll see what was going on in Israel that got them into trouble in the first place. Judges 6, verse 25. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down, this is important, I'm going to bring, come back to this point in a moment because it really goes to what I'm trying to share with you here. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. So Gideon's dad, who was an Israelite, at his own house had an altar to Baal and had an Asherah pole, which actually was a pole that represented idolatrous worship. He had it right there, if you will, in his backyard. Think about that for a moment. Here's an Israelite that should be worshiping God, but instead he's worshiping Baal, he's worshiping idols. Then God says to Gideon, verse number 26, Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. That is, tear down what's there and build the right kind of altar. Get your faith in the right place. Get rid of this polluted, diluted stuff. Using the wood of Asherah pole that you cut down. Let's take that that was idolatrous and turn it into the worship of God. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. Verse 27, so Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him, but because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. So in other words, he does it at nighttime there to address the issue because he's afraid he's going to face a battle of resistance from family members or other men in the, in, in the community. In the morning when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished. Notice that, Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down. And the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar, that was an altar to God, and they asked each other who did this when they carefully investigated they were told Gideon the son of Joash did it now the first thing that God told Gideon to do before he has him to you'll see later in the story if you read uh, the book of Judges continuing on from chapter 6 you'll see that God uses Gideon in an incredible way to deliver Israel from the Midianites but it didn't start there it started with Gideon going to his family and going to his, that which was a part of or associated with his own life and tearing down some altars to false gods and dealing with some idolatry that is dealing with things that had polluted and diluted their faith. He called Gideon to address those issues. And that was key to their turning point. Now, follow with me again. How does this turning point happen in Gideon's life? Well, first of all, he has to come to the realization that his tank's empty. 
And that's what God does when he first encounters Gideon. Gideon knows, oh my goodness, where's my faith? What God? If God? Why God? If God? When God? All these questions are, are expressing or putting Gideon to a, a point of awareness that his faith is at a low level. Then God steps in and says, Gideon, I see more in you than you see for, yourselves, for yourself and your, your, your future is not determined by your past. And God begins to bring some faith in. But then he says, Gideon, before you do anything else, You've got to go do this. You've got to go and deal with anything in your life that's been polluting you or diluting your faith. Because if you don't get rid of the things that are polluting and diluting your faith, your faith will never be able to stay strong. That's extremely important. In your notes, you're going to find some statements. I'm going to ask you to read them together with me because these statements are extremely important. Let's read them together. All the congregation, Frederick Gaithersburg, Online, if you're watching online, I would encourage you to read it out loud as well. Very important statements. To turn toward a better destiny for you and your family, you must be willing to take the spiritual acts to anything and everything that pollutes or dilutes your faith. Now you listen as I read this. To turn toward a better destiny for you and your family, you, you, that's you, you must be willing to take the spiritual axe, just like Gideon took a physical axe to that Asherah pole and cut it down, you've got to be willing to take a spiritual axe that is to cut down, to, to remove, to demolish, to get rid of anything and everything that is polluting or dilating your faith. What in your life right now is draining your faith? What activities are you engaging in? What behaviors are a part of your life? What attitudes are part of your, high, your life? What I, idols do you have in your life that God says, if you want your faith to be strong, you've got to get rid of that. Here's another important statement. Read it with me. Faith, come on everybody, faith is not only about getting miracles and help from God. Faith is foremost about committing ourselves to God. Read it again. Faith is not only about getting miracles and help from God. Faith is foremost about committing ourselves to God. See, usually when people talk about faith, they're talking about faith. Oh, I need faith for this miracle or faith for this breakthrough or faith for this answer. Well, yes, we do. We need faith for those things and pray with faith for them. But you know what faith is really all about? It's not, a, not so much about going and getting stuff from God. Faith is about committing your life to God. God, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to let you be first and foremost in my life. I'll commit myself to you and live the way you tell me to live. I'm going to let go of anything and everything that you tell me to let go of. I'm going to have nothing in my life that pollutes or dilutes my relationship with you and being the person that you want me to be. Now, the beautiful thing in this story is that Gideon responded. Gideon said yes to God. And Gideon went and did what God asked him to do. And it was the beginning of a turning point that you see in Gideon, Gideon's life where Gideon is raised up as one of Israel's judges and brings deliverance from the Midianites. But it all started with him taking that first step of addressing those things that needed to be addressed. So what's the challenge for all of us this weekend? Here's our challenge. Listen closely. Number one, how's your faith right now? As you look at the faith gauge of your life right now in this moment, where is it? Is it full? Is it half full? Is it running on empty? Or maybe you feel like you're beside the road and you've run out. You just completely depleted your supply. Well, wherever you are in that process, see Gideon had run out of faith. He was running not on empty, he was, he was empty. 
But God still came to him in the midst of that. And even though you may be running on empty or maybe you've stalled on the side of the road spiritually, don't lose heart because God wants to come to you this weekend. God wants to help you have your faith lifted again. And God comes and steps in. In fact, I believe that this is one of those moments right now here in this moment that God is stepping into your life and he's saying, I want to breathe some faith into you. I want you to begin to smell the fresh fumes, if you will, of my faith coming into the tank of your life. Just like I stepped into Gideon, I began to tell him, look, don't let your life be determined by what you've seen in the past. I have a better future for you. Believe me that I can do something in your life. And I see things in you that you can't see in yourself. And so Gideon got to that place where he began to hear God's input to his life instead of his own input or the input of the, of the oppressors around him. So God's word began to come to him. He began to be revitalized with that faith. And then to make the decision, you know what? I'm going to do the things necessary to remove anything in my life. I'm going to go find my spiritual acts today, spiritually. I'm going to go after anything that is polluting or diluting my faith so that I can stay strong in faith to make the turns in my life that God will want me to make. I'm going to ask us right now all across the sanctuaries, Gaithersburg, Frederick, if you're online watching us as well, let me encourage you to do this with us also. Just to bow your head right where you are and close your eyes. Let this be a moment right now. I want to pray for you you individually I can't get to you personally but I believe God right now is coming to you personally I want to pray that right now in this moment that this will be a day of faith renewal for your life let's pray together Father we thank you so much for the great story of Gideon what an amazing story in the Bible it is and you gave us that story for our own growth for our own development for our own encouragement and I pray right now for every person Lord, I, I so much wish that I could take each person by the hands right now and, and look at them in the eyes and, and just tell them that, that God is here today for them. But, but even in this moment, I pray you would come to them and you would, if you will, spiritually take hold of their hands, put your arms around them and no matter what condition they're in, even though they may feel they're emptied of faith or stalled by the roadside spiritually, I pray that you would remind them that just like you came to Gideon, he was stalled out in his faith, that you're coming to them right now in this moment. And I pray that in Jesus' name, that right now, that through this message this weekend, that the fumes of faith would begin and the substance of faith would begin to flow into lives. That people would begin to say, you know what? My future is not going to be like my past. They would begin to say, God sees something in me that I can't see in and of myself. And I, I'm going to trust in God. I'm putting my confidence in Him. And Lord, give us the courage. It took some courage for Gideon to, to rise up and deal with the idols in his family. He had to go and cut some things down. He had to get rid of some altars. He had to rebuild a new altar, but he did it. Lord, he took the step that was necessary, and I pray that you would empower us through the Holy Spirit, beginning this very weekend, to take out our spiritual axes and to do away with everything, anything that's polluting us or diluting our relationship with you or our faith in you. And we thank you that you're doing that work so that we can turn, Lord, toward the destiny that you have for our lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Well, perhaps as you've been watching today's broadcast, something's been happening inside of you. Maybe you felt a stirring in your heart, something that's reminded you that you need to get some things right in your life with God. The first way we start in that journey with God is to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of our life, to turn all of our life over to Him. 
And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. It's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Would you bow your head with me and pray this prayer? Say these words, say, Jesus, just acknowledge that He is Lord. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all of my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, I want to encourage you with the promise of God's Word that says when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there's salvation that's brought to our lives. He changes us on the inside, from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take some next steps. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word, to make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it, to spend some time each day in prayer. We have some resources available for you through our website. We'd love to provide those for you. Just let us know that you need those and we'll make sure that we get them into your hands. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.